Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks are 3-0 and and are traveling to Miami to take on Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. The last time the Seahawks have won on the road in Miami was a 22-15 victory back in 1996. So not a lot of luck on the road for our Seahawks in Miami. Joining me on the show to preview the matchup, Brian Catanzaro. Find him at Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and he hosts the On the Finside podcast. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 1996, the last time the Seahawks got the win there. I'm curious if you could even pull the name of the quarterback who was who who lost that game to the Seahawks back in 1996. Craig Erickson. Wow. Very impressive. It was one of my. It was. Uh, I remember that because uh, it was one of my first years as a Dolphins fan, and I, I think it was Benny uh, uh, Brian. No, it was Brian, Brian Blades, Blades, not yep. Benny Blades, that that pulled away on that uh, on that touchdown. So yeah, that that was one of my first years as a Dolphins fan. They started off very well that year, and uh, the Seahawks were one of the victories that took them down. John Freeze quarterbacking for the Seahawks that year, but n- more known for their wide receivers, and yeah, Brian Blades and then Joey Galloway. Uh, on the opposite side in that game. And that was the last time the Seahawks got the win in Miami. Of course, uh, an infamous moment the last time when Russell Wilson, his first matchup with the Dolphins back in 2012, that was the game that the Sprinklers came on in the third quarter. Yeah, the Sprinklers came on. And I'm recalling in the fourth quarter, there was an interception on, on one side of the ball that shouldn't have been called, and I'm pretty sure it benefited the Dolphins because I know the Dolphins won that game in uh, in 2012. That was uh, Russell Wilson's rookie year in the NFL. And then back in 2016, Seahawks and the Dolphins played again, and I think it was a 12 to 10 Seahawks victory in Seattle. 12 to 10, and Kenny Stills dropping a wide open touchdown pass. <laughs> yeah, in that yeah. game. <laughs> So we've had we've had a few memorable moments between these two teams, but yes, that leaves Miami as one of the few stadiums that Russell Wilson has yet to get a win in. And when he doesn't have the opportunity to travel there, but for about uh, every eight years, this is this is going to be the the time he needs to get this in. And I'm curious about how you're feeling so far, Brian, about your Miami Dolphins three weeks into the season. You know, taking a look at the first three weeks uh, this past. Thursday against the Jaguars was a game they ex- they absolutely had to win and they did win convincingly. I mean, they were up 14 to nothing and then 21 to 7, 28 to 7. It was definitely a convincing victory over the Jaguars who were hot at the time. But in the first 2 weeks of the year, they played the Patriots and the Bills and even though the games looked pretty close, there was no doubt who the better team was on the field that that day. And that was the Patriots and the Bills, not the Dolphins. You know, when you take a look at the Dolphins overall and where, where they are in the state of the franchise, last year they started off 0-7 and they, they finished the year 5-4, and which was a, a big surprise to a lot of people. And Brian Flores is a coach that that has, has a lot of confidence here in the Dolphins community. And... This this year, the Dolphins start off one and two, and this is a pretty telling game for them because if the Dolphins, as six-point underdogs, can win this game against the Seahawks, it would be a pretty big upset, but it's one they really need to have to get to two and two to keep that momentum going in this Brian Flores regime. 
Well, and to keep pace with teams like Buffalo and the New England Patriots. And the Patriots have been that one team, that one common opponent through these first three games. And I don't know if you had a chance to to watch the Seahawks play the Patriots, but very different games between these two teams. You know, the Patriots just kept the ball on the ground and and ran the ball. Didn't really go downfield a lot with Cam Newton, but yet he didn't have an issue throwing downfield against the Seahawks. And a big part of the, the reason was they needed to do that to come back down multiple scores. So I am very curious about how this Dolphins team may attack the Seahawks defenses, if it's going to be like every other team just going downfield, or if, uh, if the Dolphins may have a, a running attack that they might try and throw at Seattle. As far as the running attack, uh, Miles Gaskin, you should see him being the lead bell cow this past weekend or this past Thursday against the, the Jaguars. Gaskin, whether it was in the first quarter or when they were running down the game in the, the third and fourth quarter, he was the guy to give the ball to. Uh, he had 22 carries for 66 yards. Most of those yards came at the beginning of the game. Um, yeah, I expect the Dolphins to go after the Seahawks secondary here because as you and your listeners know, the Seahawks have been in a complete shootout in three games in a row. I mean, Russell Wilson, 14 touchdowns uh, over the first three games. That's never happened in NFL history. And unfortunately for the Seahawks, defensively, over 1,300 yards against them in the first three games, which is also, to my knowledge, never happened in NFL history right. either. So when you look at this line, the over-under, I, I think it's about, at about 53 points. It, it looks like it's going to be a shootout between the Dolphins and the Seahawks. And as far as personnel-wise, it's going to be a fascinating matchup with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on the outside against Shaq Griffin and Trey Flowers, as well as Mike Isicki in the slot against whoever he goes against. I mean, whether that's Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, or someone, a, a safety like Ryan Neal, who's going who's gonna to go heads up on him. Gesicki's an interesting matchup. But e- either way, I, I, I don't see the Dolphins and Seahawks having a 17-14 to 14 type of game here. I, I see it being a more high-scoring affair. Yeah, Ryan Neal coming in for the injured Jamal Adams in the last game. It doesn't sound like Adams is going to be back and ready for this game against the Dolphins. Another guy who could be playing the slot is Ugo Amadi, who had several plays in that last game. He saved a two-point conversion for the Cowboys that would have put him up three late in the game. But in terms of a mismatch, I do wonder about Ugo Amadi's size compared to Mike Gesicki. Watching that game between uh, the, the Dolphins and the Bills, Gosh, everything Fitzpatrick threw Gasecki's way. It was just, he has this huge catch radius, and he seemed to catch everything in that game. It's a good combination with Fitzpatrick and Gasecki because Fitzpatrick likes the likes to throw the ball high, and Gasecki likes to go get the ball high. And when you look at the size matchup there, Ugo's with 5'9", five, 5'10", five, five, and Gasecki is 6'5". Right. So there, there is quite a mismatch there, but... I, I watched Ugo a little bit in the last game, too. W- matches up very well in the slot. So if he can take Gesicki a little bit off his route to begin with, he'll have a little bit more difficult time getting downfield. So that's something to watch out for there in the slot. And uh, another player that may be matched up in the slot, too, is Isaiah Ford, because he's somebody that's he caught seven passes against the Bills. And then this past week, he would have caught more passes against the Jaguars, but the Dolphins only threw the ball uh, 20 times in that contest. So, yeah, it's whoever Ugo 
Amadi lines up against is, is certainly going to be an interesting matchup because the Dolphins like to keep Preston Williams and Devontae Parker on the outside against those boundary corners. Well, and Ford might be one of those names to watch, too, because Cedric Wilson in this last game against the Cowboys, I had no idea uh, the Cowboys had a guy named Cedric Wilson on their team until he torched uh, the, <laughs> the Seahawks secondary <laughs> and end, uh, ended up with two touchdowns in that game. So that's, again, that's that's probably a, a matchup to watch. But Gasicki is probably the guy that I worry about the most. And yeah, you mentioned the, the guys on the outside, but I feel like uh, in terms of size, you know, we, we it's kind of size on size on those two matchups. Yeah, because Griffin's got good size and, and Trey Flowers does as well. And, you know, the, the big thing is, is Fitzpatrick likes to throw those contested passes. And that's when the size battle is really going to come into effect. The, the Seahawks, as you know, don't have don't have a great pass rush now after losing Judavian Clowney and losing Quentin Jefferson in the offseason and, and losing Bruce Irvin earlier in the year. So, you know, the, the big question is going to be if Fitzpatrick gets time to throw the ball and there are those contested catch battles down the field, who, who's going to come away with those? Uh, I, right now, I give the advantage there to the Dolphins, but that's one of the only advantages that I give them the, the advantage of in, in this game with the Seahawks. How has the offensive line been so far for the Dolphins? It, it went from legendarily bad over the last two years to um, somewhere around the, the middle of the pack range so far three games into the year. They've only let up th- five sacks. The PFF numbers don't uh, shed any kind of light on them, but I, I also look at the, those numbers too and think, well, Solomon Kinley and Austin Jackson are not allowing sacks, and the Dolphins have a pretty healthy yards per carry average among the running backs. So uh, I think for a young offensive line that is is featuring five or four new starters, they've done a pretty good job. It, it's, it's not a great offensive line, but part of what matches into it as well is Ryan Fitzpatrick, if the ball is not out in the first three seconds, he's getting out of the pocket very quickly, and he's going to look to make more plays on the run and 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 get some of those wide receivers into space. Yeah, because the the opponents so far, I guess the one that you could point to that we all expected a, a good defensive line from would have been that Buffalo Bills team, and they apparently held up well enough at least to keep the Dolphins in the game late uh, in terms of you said the score you know, may not be uh, indicative of, of how close that game was, but they were in it. Certainly. It was a uh, 20 to 17 Dolphins with eight minutes left and Preston Williams dropped a touchdown on fourth down, unfortunately. And from there it, it all went downhill. The bills put back to back touchdown drives together where Josh Allen played lights out like he has all year. Um, so it, the, the secondary is under a lot of fire now. And in this game, Byron Jones is not expected to play, and Xavier Howard is going to be playing hurt. So w- when you look at that side of the ball and you look at, at potentially Noah Igbenogany and Nick Needham at cornerback lining up against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that doesn't look like a very good matchup for the Dolphins. Well, based on the trend that we're seeing from Russell Wilson and throwing touchdown passes four or five a game for the past three weeks, Those are the kinds of matchups we're going to want to watch. And Brian, I want to continue to talk about this matchup between the Seahawks receivers and the Dolphins secondary coming up next.
Brian Catanzaro joining me on the show. He hosts the On the Fin Side podcast, talking about this upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins. Talking about the this receiver versus secondary matchup for the Dolphins, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you mentioned there being some injuries. What are some of the ways that you see them trying to to compensate for for those types of matchups? Or is that just a huge concern going into this game? It's a huge concern if Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are, are not on the field. I, I don't expect Jones to play. And Howard, it depends how healthy he's going to be. Right now, I mean, no Igbenogany, the Dolphins' third first-round pick, he, he's not going to be 21 years old until November. One of the youngest players to ever enter the league. And when Nick Needham's been on the field, he's been terrible. So that that, that is a big problem. Uh, as far as how they line up one-on-one with those guys. And then from that point, I, I expect the Dolphins to pull a Bobby McCain of free safety and, and have him double cover a DK Metcalf because that's really the only the only opportunity because if you're just going to go heads up as the Dolphins with a depleted cornerback unit against DK Metcalf and against Tyler Lockett with Russell Wilson, who or as far as I'm concerned is the MVP through the first three weeks of the season, it's going to be a bad situation. And if the Dolphins are going to try to play catch up with the Seahawks all game, then I don't think that they're going to win that battle between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Russell Wilson. Do the Dolphins, do they tend to travel with their corners? Do you see if Figmanogany is out there, if, if he's going to be more a Tyler Lockett just for the size matchup? Or uh, do you have somebody, because really... It's it's a very interesting matchup now with the Seahawks having their receivers that they do with, you know, DK Metcalf being six four and you know that big physical receiver. But then you have Tyler Lockett, who's the speedy, quick guy who runs great routes, and uh, so that it it can be a stressor on defenses, especially if they don't have those those corners that can travel with to, to make those matchups work. The Dolphins have played the cornerback spot differently every week. Uh, in in week two, after Byron Jones went down. Noah Igbenogany went up against Stefan Diggs all, all game, and it was a complete train wreck. Uh, Stefan Diggs had nine catches for 130-something yards. It, it completely ruined the game. And then this past week against the Jaguars, it was a different situation where the Dolphins cornerbacks played a little bit more off. Uh, I don't think playing off against the Seahawks is going to work because they're, they're going to settle down in those zones, and Russell Wilson is, is very willing to take those very easy 10 or 15 yard passes, even though he can go over the top. So the, the way I see it happening is if the Dolphins were smart in this one, Xavier Howard would go one-on-one with a DK Metcalf and the Dolphins would have some shell coverage and, and zone defense with Noah Igbenogany on Tyler Lockett and potentially roll a safety over to Lockett as well. Um, th- but if, if they can't stop those two guys, Metcalf and, and Lockett, it's going to be a long day for the Dolphins because it's it's going to open up everything else the Seahawks want to do on offense, whether Chris Carson plays or not. Well, and that's another thing that really we haven't seen a lot from the Seahawks offense, except for going to Greg Olson on fourth down when they really needed it in that Cowboys game. They haven't used their tight ends a whole lot. I'm, I'm wondering how well the, the Dolphins defense has been at covering tight ends so far this year. So Dawson Knox in, in week two, he caught a couple of passes, and then in week one, the, the Patriots did not. They, they really don't have a, a receiving option. Ryan Izzo caught a pass for 25 yards. And then this past week uh, against the Jaguars, Tyler Eifert 
didn't really do much. So they've been very good at covering the, the, the tight end position, and they've really structured their defense that way. Uh, they traded Raekwon McMillan in the offseason for basically nothing, which which I was disappointed by. Uh, the reason they did that is so that Jerome Baker and Alandon Roberts could have the speed to cover the middle of the field. So as far as personnel is concerned, they match up very well because they they made it a point in pass defense for their speed for to, to have the speed to cover the tight ends. The defensive line for the Dolphins. Now, I think they may still have more sacks than the Seahawks so far this year, but it, it hasn't been great. I, I'm, who are going to be the standout guys for Seahawks fans to watch for on that defensive line for the Dolphins? Christian Wilkins has been the best player by far so far. Um, 13th overall pick in the 2019 draft. And he's done a great job this year so far through three games. He seems to be getting better every week. Davin Gotchaw and Raekwon Davis, a defensive tackle, are, are more kind of what you see is what you get type of run stoppers. Don't offer much in pass rush. And at defensive end, it's been a pretty big disappointment overall with Emmanuel Ogbon, Shaq Lawson. Uh, Shaq Lawson had a good game last week against the Jaguars. He's not somebody who's going to whip around the edge against uh, Dwayne Brown and, and get a lot of sacks, but he's somebody who is expected to set the edge pretty well. But overall, when when I look at what the Seahawks have done with their offensive line over the last couple of years, I, I think they've done a very good job. And I, I don't expect the Dolphins to put a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson in this game, and I don't expect the Seahawks to put a lot of pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game. Well, looking back at that week one matchup with the Patriots, they really did struggle uh, with the read option. Now, the Seahawks don't tend to run the read option quite as much. They'll get teams with it every once in a while. But the, I mean, the, the Patriots were ready to just hammer the ball with Cam Newton. Were they kind of able to figure out the, the ability to stop the run after that week one game against the Patriots? You know, I would qualify it as being relieved to play the Jaguars in week three because there were so many ways that the Patriots and the Bills could hurt you both on the ground and in the passing game. I mean, Josh Allen ran for 380 yards in, in four games against the Dolphins prior to them playing in week two. And the Dolphins didn't know what to expect in week one against, against the Patriots and Cam Newton. They didn't know how healthy he was. And in both games, they ran all over him. But their, their run defense definitely tightened up in week three against the Jaguars when they played a more conventional type of offense. And to be honest, I'm not sure, looking at it, uh, the Seahawks seem to run a more conventional type of offense closer to the Jaguars. Obviously, they're much, much better, but they're more of a team that's likely to drop back and throw the ball and hand the ball off as opposed to one that, that's going to take the quarterback and run them for 10 or 15 times. Yeah, they've definitely gotten away from that in recent years with Russell Wilson, so I I don't know if we can expect a ton of read option, but I, I bet that's there. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if they they beat the Dolphins on that at least a couple times in this game. But I'm curious about Fitzpatrick. This is he's one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch just his personality in the NFL. I, I'm curious, though, how much pressure is on Fitzpatrick in this season with Tua Tungavailoa waiting in the wings? I would say not much. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> Fitzpatrick is having a good time out there. And that's what he was brought in to do. And what I liked about the Dolphins signing him last year is we've seen throughout his career, he either plays at a very, very high level, like he did when he was basically MVP of the league uh, in the first month of 2018 with the Bucs. And then 
after that, after that first month, month with the Bucks, he completely falls down and is benched four weeks later. That's that's been his entire career. So what, what I liked is that when the Dolphins signed him, that he, he was either going to be great or he's going to be terrible. And right now, through the first three weeks, he he's had two really good games and he's had one terrible game. Uh, and, and that that that's what I think you can expect. But I also think too, at the first sign of trouble. When you see Ryan Fitzpatrick have one of those three or four interception games, which he's prone to have, that's when you can start to expect Tua to come in, especially when he's healthy. How are Dolphins fans feeling about him so far? Do you, do you get any kind of indications of what might be expected from Tua if, he, if he's out there on the field? Everything's been thumbs up to this point. People rave about his character and his personality. Uh, and obviously, he's, he has the talent looking looking back at at his career at Alabama. It's it's hard to tell a little bit more because we didn't have preseason and right. everybody was so tight-lipped regarding training camp. But I really thought that after the first game against the Patriots when Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions and granted two of them probably weren't his fault, that if he went into Buffalo and went into Jacksonville and also had poor games, we probably would see two as starting here in week four against the Seahawks. That's going to be kind of the theme throughout the year for the Dolphins, in my opinion. We should see him at a certain point, probably not here in week four against the Seahawks. But if think at the point when things get bad enough, I think there's going to be a quick hook. And one last prediction before you go. How, how do you see this game going on Sunday between these two teams? I see the Dolphins trying to keep pace with the Seahawks. Um, I don't see how, unless there's a, r- a real big hiccup with the Seahawks offense, even even if Chris Carson doesn't play, I... I see this being a, a 37 to 27 type of game. I, I see the Dolphins keeping up with them for a while, just whipping the football around the field, mm-hmm. especially if both quarterbacks can take advantage of the matchups in the passing game. But overall, Russell Wilson's on fire, and it wouldn't surprise me here if, if, if Russell Wilson has his, has his third five-touchdown game here in four weeks. That would be incredible. I, I would I would be extremely happy if that happened. I just it, like I said, the, the, all the flashbacks of the bad games in Miami. I it has it has me a little bit concerned, but it's a new year, so we'll see. Brian Catanzaro of the On the Fin Side podcast. Brian, appreciate you having me on your show this week. If people want to go check that out, uh, where do they go to find it? So you'll go to On the Fin Side, all spelled out uh, on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes. YouTube, iHeartRadio. Uh, my Twitter handle is BrianCatNFL. And yeah, if, if uh, any of you or your listeners have any questions about the Dolphins or, you know, if, if in the offseason the, Dol- the Seahawks sign a player from, from the Dolphins, uh, then, then absolutely please reach out to me. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks again to Brian of On the Fin Side podcast. Really appreciate him having me on his show this week and him coming on this one as well. And that was really interesting to hear him with that expectation that Russell Wilson's record touchdown pace is going to continue. Russell may have his eyes set on that 55 touchdown mark set back in 2013 by Peyton Manning. And if he's going to do that, he needs to keep on pace. I think he needs just three touchdowns. He's at 14 now. Peyton Manning had 16 touchdowns through four weeks in that 2013 season. So if he gets three in this game against the Dolphins. He will be exceeding that pace from Manning back in 2013. Just a little something extra 
to watch out of Russell Wilson in this 2020 season. And Brian and I did record before the final injury reports were out. It looks like cornerback Byron Jones is doubtful for this game on Sunday. Kayvon Frazier, their backup safety, is listed as doubtful. Tuatunga Vailoa listed as questionable backup quarterback. But Solomon Kinley listed as questionable with a foot injury, and he hadn't been on the injury report all week, so he may have suffered that in practice. He was a limited participant on Friday and now questionable for Sunday's game. For the Seattle Seahawks, three players listed as out. Jamal Adams with the groin injury, cornerback Quentin Dunbar with a knee injury, and linebacker Jordan Brooks with his injured knee as well. Six players listed as questionable for the Seahawks, including two of their top running backs, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde. Hyde has a shoulder injury, Chris Carson with a knee injury last week, so it'll be interesting to see which one of those two gets more snaps or if they'll go with the combination of Travis Homer and DJ Dallas in this game. Cornerback Shaquille Griffin listed with a shoulder injury and questionable for the game. Guard Damian Lewis questionable with an ankle injury. And special teams captain Nico Thorpe listed as questionable with a hip injury. Last player on the list, Lano Hill, questionable with a back injury, and he sat out last week's game. So it could be another game-time decision for Lano. The Seahawks did sign Demarius Randall this week to add to the practice squad, and he could be a late call-up, perhaps if Lano Hill can't go in this game against the Dolphins. While you're waiting for the game to kick off on Sunday, head on over to fieldgoals.com. Story up there by Tyler Olson about how the Texans wanted to sign Shaquem Griffin and he decided to stay with the Seahawks. So check out that article there. Alistair Corp has an article up talking about just how the Seahawks need to get pressure with their defensive line in this game against the Dolphins, especially with Jamal Adams being out. That's going to be critical for those guys up front. Thanks for tuning into this show. Be sure and tune in after the game on Sunday. Going to have a post-game recap show up for you a few hours after the game ends. Subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. Until next time, go Hawks.